Wait a minute, I hear something. Welcome back. It's another episode of Dr. Movie, your favorite show or your favorite show you're just listening to to the first time from, uh, you know, the back of the steering wheel here, driving down the road, talking about movies. That's just what I do. Um, Today we are going to be looking at uh, a movie that I've never seen before, but I picked it up. Well, I didn't pick it up. I watched it on Tubi. And it's another one of those uh, artwork that draws you in and you want to check it out. And the movie is called Crash and Burn from 1990. Uh, I think you're finding out amazingly how little I know about a whole bunch of these movies. Even though I have shows where I talk about movies. Uh, But, you know, everybody has their weak spots. And mine is just, you know, there's a bunch of movies that I skipped over back in the day. um, Because... You know, I picked Reanimator instead. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much that simple. You know, I could watch something new that looks like it's going to be cheap and cheesy, which is, you know, something I love. Or I could just watch Reanimator again. And uh, unfortunately, I've watched Reanimator probably, uh, it sounded very country, didn't it? Reanimator. That's uh, how we say maters around here instead of tomatoes. Everybody says, hey, give me one of them red maters. Uh, but yeah, Reanimator. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think I've watched Reanimator probably, I don't know, 20,000 times? I don't know. It's probably exaggerating. But it did knock out my viewings of a lot of movies because I just kind of fell in love with that one for a while. Uh, and I'm thinking back to the time frame of when all this stuff was coming out. That's what I was watching. Um... This one is, uh, like I said, Crash and Burn. It is a sci-fi indie film. So, it doesn't say horror movie, which is, you know, a lot of what we tend to lean towards on this show. Uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe you think it's an indie film, too. I don't know. To me, anything that's not a major network uh, is an indie film. Not network, but major movie company. But, uh directed by the one and only Charles Band. So we all know the history there, right? Uh, I see him every year at Texas Frightmare. He's always there peddling his stuff. And uh, that's totally fine. Hey, the dude has made it this long. He's still rocking it. Gotta give him credit. I mean, he just kind of did it on his own. So, uh, yeah. Kudos to him. This has a 4.9 out of 10. On the old IMDb. And uh, why to watch? We got another three-worder for you here. Creative, futuristic, and horrific. Horrific. Not horrific. Horrific. Um, yeah, okay. So you got somebody bringing up horrific in it, and it's an indie film. It's not a horror film. Just saying. Uh, I was surprised not to see it be a horror film says, uh, I really enjoyed this film. I was one, uh, it was one of the most interesting B-movie, oh, B-type science fiction movies I've seen in, in some time. Okay. 
Uh, that's the that's the only thing it says. That's the reasons to watch. Yeah, I mean the premise isn't isn't bad. Uh, actually, it's a little uh, upper tier, really, when I think about. Don't get me wrong, Charles Band movies. Um, yeah, this one's this one's got okay. You can kind of give me a pass on that story. It kind of works. And the story is the synopsis here we got. It says rebels in the year twenty thirty. You know, it says futuristic in, in that first one. We look, talk, talked about the three words. What was it? Uh, creative, futuristic, and horrific, right? Well, the future's in 2030. So if the, if, if the future looks anything like this, let's just rewind the tape, folks. I'm ready to go back to the 80s. Um, in the year 2030, racing, uh, race against time to disarm. What? This is, this is missing a lot of information. <laughs> Rebels in the year 2030 race against time to disarm a robot that has been programmed to kill humans. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing. When you see the artwork of the actual episode, actually even this episode of what I'm putting out, you kind of see that big robot in the back and you go, hey, this must be one of those movies where, you know, the world's coming to an end, but the only way you can sort things out is by building a robot and making them fight other big robots and that's how you you prove your gusto well if you're looking for that you might as well forget it because it's not going to happen in this movie uh, <laughs> uh, even though in the in the description it even kind of says that but uh, we'll we'll get to that in a minute just just hang on to your britches we will get there uh, as far as the cast, Nobody to really write home about. We got Megan Ward in this. Um, she was in Joe's Apartment, the two of the couple of the transfer movies, Encino Man. Who doesn't like Encino Man? I need to talk about that movie. Hey, we do have Bill Mosley in this, which is worth the price of admission. I'll go ahead and say it. Um, this is 1990, so he's you know he's already done Texas Chainsaw two. And he's starting to make his rounds as far as a, you know, more pivotal actor. And you know, this one this one proves the point. I will say, uh, Elizabeth McMcMcMcGallen, which was in uh, hey this movie and Puppet Master Two, so staying in the Charles Band family. Uh, Paul Gannis, Gannis, take your pick. Hey, he was in this movie. <laughs> that's really the only ones that's worth talking about. Um, we got Ralph White in this. Ralph White is the dad from the Waltons. So, always a shock to see somebody like that that, you know, you really only see every once in a while in something. And, uh, yeah, he's he's pretty good in this. So, let's uh, let's crack this egg open, right? So... Movie starts off. You got Tyson, nice, nice-looking guy, biker jacket, chiseled features, uh, <laughs> uh, and he works for uh, Unicom. I think, I think is the name of the company here. Let me let me put some more information here so I don't screw this up. Um, yeah, Unicom, and. Uh, Hey, I'll tell you what. Let's do this synopsis. And uh, 
let's see what it tells us here. This, I think this is a little more information than what we had earlier, and it'll be a better job than me trying to explain it. Um, Unicom is a powerful organization overseeing most of the world uh, after its economic collapse. Huh. It's kind of fitting. It's kind of where we're at right now. Um, they have banned computers and robots. Uh, in an attempt to ensure life, liberty, and the pursuit of economic stability. Uh, yeah, get rid of that gas-guzzling car that you absolutely love to drive. you got to drive an electric now because we said so. Because the planet, right? Uh, you know what? I, I grew up a George Carlin fan, and one of my favorite sayings he had was, you know, we've got the... I guess the word is balls. We've got the balls to think that we can save the planet. We can't even save each other. We can't even get food for the people that are living on the streets, and we're going to think that we can save the planet. How how dare us have that kind of mentality? Can we do things that help? Sure, absolutely. But uh, you know, we're we're one country versus all the other ones that say, "Yeah, no thanks, I'm good." <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting off on this, but he was like, what you got to understand, people, is the planet is fine. The people may be screwed, but the planet is fine. It will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. We are a surface nuisance. So, uh, yeah, you think about that the next time somebody says, you know what, that luxury that you enjoy, you got to give it up because it's bad for the planet. But I'm going to jump on this jet and put more emissions in the air in the next 30 minutes to go tell somebody else what they shouldn't be doing than you will in your lifetime. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, just just saying. That's my political stump. Um, but yeah, so you got a situation where the country has hit a bad spot or the world has hit a bad spot, and you got Unicom, which sounds a whole lot like One World Order to me, or New World Order, whatever you want to call it, uh, taking over everything saying, do this, don't do that. Yep. Good government at work. Um, so, we said that. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of economic stability. Uh, when the Unicom synth robot infiltrates a Southwest uh, TV station and kills the manager, a revolutionary group, uh, a revolutionary against the Gestapo-like corporation, a lowly Unicom delivery man must help the rest of the station survive through the incoming thermal storm. So there you go. Uh, that's a that's a lot. So yeah, you got Unicom, who's in charge of everything. You know, Bill Gates, all that kind of good stuff. BlackRock, if you don't know what that is, look it up. You'll be mighty surprised. Um, but um, you got uh, this lone TV station out here in the desert. And Ralph White is the, the manager of it, and he gets on TVs and he starts talking about how bad Unicom is. Well, you know what Unicom does? Hey, we're going to send us a robot there to take this guy out because we can't have the truth getting out there, right? Yeah, I'm looking at you, YouTube. <laughs> uh, Got to silence anybody else's opinion, right? It's weird. Maybe, maybe this thing's a little more accurate than we thought because it came out in 90, and it's uh, it's spitting a lot of truth right here. Um, and again, I'm not some political wacko. I'm just saying, if you just look around, 
and really go with your gut and go, now, wait a minute. <laughs> this movie seems to be making a lot of sense as far as this aspect. So uh, they send uh, a person to do this, and obviously you can't tell who the person is because they're a robot. And um, so it's a nice little setup, and since they've dismantled computers and robots... It's ironic that they send a robot to kill somebody. So again, it's just showing that double double standard here again of, no, 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 you can't have a robot, but we can. Um, <laughs> and out back at this TV station, when, when our delivery guy gets there, which is our hero, he meets a young lady that's there. She's a teenager. Uh, and you kind of get this weird feeling that, you know, she's attracted to him, but you're hoping, hopefully this doesn't, you know, go that direction, because she's a little young, and sure enough, he looks at her as a kid, but she's a brilliant kid, and there's an old mining robot, which is a lot like the robots from uh, Robot Jocks, if you know what I'm talking about, which ironically, when this movie was released in, I don't know, it was either Australia or somewhere, this movie was called Robo Jo- Robot Jock, Robo Jocks 2, I'll get it right here in a second. Uh, maybe not Australia, but it was definitely released somewhere else where it was called Robo Jocks 2, Robot Jocks 2, which is, you know, the follow-up to Robot Jocks. Uh, <laughs> but, but this is not. Uh, they just named it that because it's a way to capitalize. And um, so you got uh, somebody that's there to kill anybody that's going against Unicom, which ends up being everybody working at the station because they're kind of a rebellious station. And it's kind of a whodunit from this point on. Uh, back, back to the teenager girl. She has an old style, at the time, 90s computer that hooks up to a mining robot, which is, like I said, about, I don't know, 30, 40 foot tall. And it's all tore up. It's laying out in the yard like it's destroyed. But... I think she secretly has made sure that it works. So if she needs it, which will come in play later on, uh, it works, right? So uh, you kind of get this uh, whodunit thing going on. And there's even some scenes in this that's a lot like The Thing, where they're trying to figure out, of all the people, who's, who's who's the cyborg, right? Instead of finding out who's got the alien in them, they're going to find out who's the cyborg, and, you know, it gets pretty interesting. And uh, Bill Mosley works at the station, and he's one of the, like, IT guys. He's pretty smart. You got a, uh, a TV personality there who's a scumbag. And he's got a couple of prostitutes there to be guests on his show. That's how, that's, well, I don't guess it's any different than Jerry Springer or anything like that. But, uh, and they all get stuck there because there's this thermal storm coming, right? So, while the storm is going on is when all the action happens, right? And uh, you you get a bunch of hoopla going on. And you get a showdown at the end between our hero and our surprise cyborg of the day. And, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to tell you much more than that. But I will say that when it comes down to it... Uh, all this big buildup for the robot is not much of a payoff. The rest of the movie, I think, is great. And I think the robot looks great. But, you know, you basically 
warm up this robot that's been dead for whoever knows how long to basically move a big piece of metal. That's pretty much it. So if you're expecting some robot action, you're going to get very little. But I will say the rest of the movie is really not too bad. So I say do yourself a favor. If you like low budget, if you like Charles Band, uh, all your full moon pictures, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it works. It works. It's okay. Uh, it does make me want to watch Robot Jogs again, which I will do very soon. And uh, I'll give this a three out of five. It's not something I'm going to run back to and watch a whole bunch, but it's in the pocket. I wasn't disappointed. And uh, with some great deliveries from uh, Ralph White and Bill Mosley and whoever I said the hero was earlier. <laughs> I can't remember his name now. Um, it's pretty solid. It's pretty solid for low budget. You can tell it's low budget, but you know what? Who cares? It's good storytelling, and it works, and it keeps you guessing. So uh, if you like that kind of aspect, I say check this one out. All right, folks, that's it for this episode. We will check you later.